Hello, everyone. It's uh, great to be back home at the village. Had a great time in Georgia. Notice I didn't say God's country. It's Georgia. Had a great time with my uh, siblings and their husbands. So but it's good to be back here at the village church. If you have your Bible, please open it to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 10 through 12. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. Pop culture is uh, fascinated with uh, superheroes. And you can tell uh, based upon the, you know, how much money these movies make in the theaters. And you know, we love to see heroes come save the world from the, the bad villains. We see it in comic books. We see it in, in cartoons and TV shows and movies and video games. You know, we sit on the edge of our seats in theaters waiting for the hero to prevail against the villain. And all of us here, you know, we have our, our favorite hero. We all do. I know the kids do. I know I did growing up, and I still do because I'm a big kid. And so we all have our favorite superhero. And even in real life, there are real-life examples that we hold up as symbols of being a hero, like soldiers and firefighters, to name a few. The fact is that our culture loves heroes. So, so in light of this, we're going to start a new sermon series that focuses on the heroes of the Christian faith. You see, in the life of the believer, these heroes come together to form what I call the Gospel League. The Gospel League. Yes, the Gospel League. And just like the Justice League of DC Comics, the Gospel League uses their powers for good and not evil. The Gospel League is a reference to the means of grace that the Father gives to his people, to his church, to each of you. These means of grace, that they are more than just theological topics and discussion points. That they are, they are more than ideas and, and terms stored away in books on a bookshelf. They are God's means of grace to you. And they are a league. They are the Gospel League. And the Gospel League is here to benefit you, to aid you, to equip you, to empower you. To draw you closer to Christ and to help you stand firm in the battle against the villain. Make no mistake, there is a villain that the church battles in this life. Now, I'm not talking about who and what you can see, touch, and smell. I'm talking about a villain that lurks in the shadows, pulling the strings behind the scenes. So my question to you this morning is, do you know your enemy? Do you know your enemy? If you don't, then you must. And here in Ephesians 6, the Apostle Paul helps us get to know a little bit about our enemy, the villain. He says here, finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not raise war against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This is God's holy word. Please pray with and for me. Father, as we come to uh, your truth, we, we need the third person of the Trinity. We need him. 
I know we often overlook him. We often take him for granted. We often grieve him. We need him today. We need him every day, in fact, not just on Sundays. So, Holy Spirit, we, we cry out to you. We pray that you will come and descend upon this place, that you will come and, and take these words, Holy Spirit, and apply them to my heart and apply them to the hearts of, of everyone that's here. Holy Spirit, you know us. You know us. You know what we deal with, and you know what we need to hear. And I pray that you'll give it to us today. And you do it all to bring glory to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. One day I was um, working on a sermon uh, at one of my uh, favorite spots, uh, Panera Bread, and I was listening to one of the local Christian radio stations, and uh, the DJ uh, on this station said something that, that caught me off guard. He said, I'm not a spiritual warfare guy. Think about that. This is what he's saying on, on live radio. I'm sure a lot of people listen to him. He says, I'm not a spiritual warfare guy. Think about those words. Seek to understand them in, in your heart. And, and what is he saying? What is he implying with these words? I'm not a spiritual warfare guy. Basically, he's a believer who denies the existence of a real enemy who stands against God's people. He is denying certain supernatural aspects of our faith. But he's not alone here. And I believe many believers in America are just like him, myself included, and many of us, you in this room also, that, that we, are, we, are, we don't realize how, 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 how we are shaped by our culture. We are shaped by our culture more than we realize. We have grown so comfortable in our culture and life that we pay very little attention to the supernatural aspects of our faith. Because we are enlightened Americans. We are scientific. We have all the technology the world could want. We have evolved beyond such thinking. We have progressed beyond such things. We lead the supernatural to the movies. To the movies. To Middle Earth. Things like that. So we give lip service to the supernatural and spiritual warfare, but practically... We are not spiritual warfare people. We're not. We are not. In our day-to-day -day life, we are skeptics of the supernatural. We can't see beyond what we, what we see in the physical world. And I personally believe that the church in America isn't a spiritual warfare church practically. She's, just, she's only one in theory. The church functions as if all she needs. This is how the church functions in America. She functions as if all she needs is the right people in certain positions and everything would be good. If I just have this person here, that person there, then everything would be fine. She functions as if all she needs is the right policy, the right government, the right law, and the right system. And everything in America would be just fine. The church in America has fallen into the trap of believing that her enemy is just flesh and blood. She's just fresh and blood. She only battles who and what she can see, touch, and smell. We think our enemies are certain people, certain parties, certain institutions and organizations. And so it's easy to feel and think that way. 
Because it's easy to deal with an enemy you can see, smell, and touch. But there are forces at work beyond what we can see, beyond what we can touch, and beyond what we can smell. There's an enemy lurking in the shadows, working behind the scenes. And this enemy is a supernatural enemy. And he is real. He is the villain that stands against you. And if you're not a spiritual warfare believer, if we're not a spiritual warfare church, then we deny his existence. We don't believe in the supernatural. And if you don't believe in the supernatural, then how can you know your enemy? How can you know him? Paul says here, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. But do we believe that? Or should Paul just be talking about another type of world? Do you believe that applies to our beloved country too? Do we believe it as believers here? It's not flesh and blood that we struggle against. It's not the everyday things that we see with the naked eye that we struggle against. And we all often lack the maturity to see and understand that, myself included. And here's the thing about our spiritual enemy, our supernatural enemy. He is okay with you simply doing battle with flesh and blood. He's okay with that. Because it means you're not thinking about him. He's okay with you not being a spiritual warfare believer. He's okay with that. He'll feed that to you. Because you're never considered the one who lurks in the shadows. One of my favorite movies is The Unusual Unusual Suspects. I don't know if you've seen that movie, but it's it's a great movie. It's about five criminals who, who are recruited by a powerful underworld figure who, 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 who is basically a criminal. And so he recruits, these five criminals are recruited to stop a, a, a drug transaction, so they think. So this underworld figure goes by the name of Kaiser Sose. He is the behind-the-scenes bad guy in the movie. And listen to what one of the main characters says about him. He says, who is Kaiser Sose? He's supposed to be Turkish. Some say his father was German. No one believed he was real. No one ever saw him or knew anything, anything about him or anyone who worked directly for him. Anyone could have worked for him. You never knew. And that was his power. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he doesn't exist. The world we live in does not believe in the existence of the devil. They do not. They do not believe in the supernatural. In movies, yes. But in this reality, come on, it can't be true. He's just a fictional character. And he's okay with that. But he is real. He's your supernatural enemy. But do you believe it? In your heart of hearts, do you believe Satan is real? Do you really believe it? In the way you live your life, in the way you go about things, do you believe there's a supernatural enemy who works against you? In everything, in every way, in every turn. 
Not just with lip service, not just intellectually, but in our hearts do we believe it. Now, we're not going to obsess with the enemy, but we're not going to overlook him either. He controls the rulers and the authorities and the cosmic forces over this dark present age. He is the leader of the spiritual forces of evil. Even the word says, what? He is the adversary. He is your adversary. He is the accuser of the brothers. He accuses you. He is a murderer, says Jesus. He is the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He is a liar. He is a sinner. He is the evil one. He is the tempter. He is the prince of this world. He is the god of this age. And he is the ruler of the kingdom of the air. And that is this world. And he is real. And you must know him. Things about him. Please understand, as we make our way through this Gospel League series, before we get into these, the different aspects of that, it's important that we deal with the enemy first. You've got to know what you're up against. The League is here to help you stand firm against the schemes of the enemy. But you need to know who the enemy is. It's not always who you see. It's not always who you can touch. These spiritual forces of evil are involved in every genre of life, every government, every institution, every social organization, even when it comes to marriage, sex, and gender issues in our country, evil forces are at work. Look at what has taken place this week with Bruce Jenner. And look at how close the church, and look at how the church has responded to what he did. Our hearts should break over things like that. But do we honestly believe that these type of struggles is just against flesh and blood? Do we honestly believe that? I'm here to tell you, there are some dark things going on. There are some spiritual forces at work in our country. And they are moving. These groups, these movements, these organizations, these things are just pawns of the enemy. They don't know it, but as believers, we should know it. When I saw what he did, my heart broke. And the thing that entered my mind is, what spiritually is going on with this man? Something's not right. You know what's not right? The enemy has him. But we can't see past that. We make him the enemy instead of doing battle with the one who's behind the scenes. There's one behind the scenes. And I believe for the church in America, the enemy has blinded us to this reality. I believe that. I believe he's played us for fools. He's used the freedoms and privileges in our country against us. That's why we don't share our faith. Because we don't believe in this stuff, really. We don't really believe it. He's used our privileges against us, and, and we've become too comfortable. We're like Edmund and the lion, the rich, and the wardrobe. You know our freedoms that we love in our country? That's our Turkish delight, and we can't get enough of it. And he has blinded us from what is really going on. Blinded us. 
And we live under the illusion that somehow we are in peaceful times. We are not in peaceful times. There is spiritual warfare going on. People are dying, going to hell. The enemy is at work. And we go to conferences. We do this. We argue about budgets. We argue about carpets and stained glass windows. How big our church is. We're distracted while the enemy roams free to do what he wants to do. And we're no threat. Because we're afraid of losing rights and privileges instead of engaging the enemy with the weapons that the Father has given us. I hope we realize that peace was lost the day Adam and Eve fell from grace. From then on, we have been in spiritual war, spiritual battle. The world as it is today, our country included, is in a state of spiritual warfare and rebellion against God. The fall and its consequences are all over our country. It has been since the day it was founded. And now things that were once done in darkness are now brought into the light as normal and acceptable. And you cannot tell me the enemy is not behind that. Some of the things that we see today were always done in dark. They would not have come out in the light. But now it's in the light. Now it says this is right. This is good. Do you honestly not think the enemy is behind some of these things? He's behind it. And so the church, as, as things begin to change, how are we going to stand? How are our kids going to stand? I'm afraid for my babies. For what they may face as things continue to go where they're going. The enemy is at work. But so is our God and King. He's at work too. And that work started even in Genesis 3, where, where, where God promised that one day the, the seed of the woman would come and crush the serpent's head, and that is Jesus. He is the answer. The cross is the answer. That is our answer. That's our message. That's what we take. That's how we engage him. Yes, we deal with these other things also, but that we have to fight a spiritual enemy spiritually with the cross. With the gospel, you take that to the world. You want freedom from your oppression? You want freedom from your spiritual death? Then you come to the one who paid the price for your sins, and that is Jesus. So that means each of you who, who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, you are no longer a tool of the enemy. You are no longer trapped in your sin. You have been set free. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus, and if you're here and you really don't have faith in him, then you are lost. You are lost. I'm not saying that to beat you up. I'm saying that to wake you up. One of my favorite scenes in the movie School Days was at the end when the, when the guy came out and said, Wake up. Wake up, church. Wake up. We have a message that can bring true peace to people who are dying. And we have to take it to them out of love and compassion. It won't be easy. The enemy will work against us. 
But he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. You got to believe that. And the purpose of, of this sermon is just to help us to realize that there are, there are more things going on in our country than what we can see on Fox News and on CNN. There is an enemy at work behind these things. There are spiritual forces at work. And as a church, we've got to be able to see that. And we have a league, a gospel league, that can help us engage that. The spirit, the word, prayer, the sacraments, and the communion of saints. All five are our league. And we need all five of them to engage this enemy. And throughout this sermon series, I'm going to focus on all five. For your benefit, for my benefit. And we need you. Next time I come, we're going to talk about, now that we know the enemy, we're going to talk about the schemes of the enemy. And we do that next time I, I preach. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I know that sermons like this, don't, you don't leave here with the warm fuzzies. I know this, sermons like this are not quite popular. You're not going to get many hits on Facebook with topics like this. But Lord, the reality is that we live in a spiritual warfare. There are supernatural forces at work. And as believers, we've got to believe that. Now, we know we fight a defeated enemy, but he's still at work here. He's still maneuvering things here. And so, Father, we need the spiritual weapons that you've given us to help us to stand firm, Father. And we need that. And so I pray for everyone here, every family, every individual, that the Holy Spirit that lives in them, that he will equip them to stand firm this week to come. As the enemy comes at them, as that sin comes at them, as the world comes at them, I pray that the Holy Spirit will empower and equip them to continue to stand firm and to press on. And Lord, I pray for our country. I pray for those who are caught up in some dark stuff. I pray, Lord, that you will bring the light of the gospel into the darkness. And you already have, but I want to see more of it, Father. Help us to expect you to move. Sometimes we don't expect you to move. We want to see you move. We want to see you move. You are still king. Let's not forget that either. And so, Lord, as we engage those who are different than us, as we engage those who choose to live certain lifestyles that don't honor your word, help us to be able to speak truth. Help us to be able to love them, but also speak truth into their life. They may not receive it, to help us to be able to do it. I pray for those who are sick, those who need jobs, those who are struggling, that you, Lord, would meet all their needs. That you would do it for your namesake. I pray for all this in your son's wonderful name.